0: Welcome to the Why Got Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of this show. I'm here with our remarkable intern producer, Perrin. We're so glad to have her and our illustrious co-host, Aaron Mercer. How are you?
1: <laughs> Good. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for that introduction. And we're glad we have Perrin with us
0: right now. She's a fellow Cedarville we're gonna we're gonna kind of dismiss that for a little bit. <laughs> uh, so uh, we are here today um, with author and pastor Don Everett. He wrote a book that we actually have. It's from Barna. It's called Discovering Your Gifts. Um, he is responding to the question, "Why am I gifted the way that I am?" and you know there's many of you listeners that are part of browncroft and you know that one of our spiritual habits is no and use your gifts and for others of you you know you might be wondering why is this topic important and i i think that whether you use the language of spiritual gifts or abilities or experience we want to know what we're wired for and i think don's going to bring some great value not just biblically but also through analyzing some of the studies he's done through barna so can't wait to get into it
1: yeah i think it's going to be a, a Good great conversation journey. and
0: uh definitely something that
1: is is close to a lot of people's hearts you know um i love even the title discover your gifts but uh the subtitle there celebrating how god made you and everyone you know um you know that's near and dear to our hearts and i think this is a it's a good one for us to be talking about thanks yeah but so as we get started i think uh Don, I'd love for you to have an opportunity just to introduce yourself to the people who are listening on the podcast here or watching on YouTube, um, and uh, would love to know a little bit about your journey. How did this become something of interest to you, and and how did you get to the point where you're writing a book about it?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, I'm someone. And great to be with you guys. I'm excited to think about this alongside you guys. So, uh, you know, I'm someone who I grew up a nomad, moving every couple of years, and I grew up yawning in church Uh, as soon as I was old enough to my parents said, you don't have to go. I said, thank you very much. And, uh, and then I had an encounter with Jesus, you know, at a young life camp uh, in high school on accident, uh, unintended. I I was going to the camp to meet girls and uh, met, met Jesus and, and uh, kind of never recovered from that. And so my life has been, you know, not just a life of, you know, chasing after Jesus and, you know, uh, fellowship with him and trying to follow him and asking him questions and all that, but trying to help other people encounter him too. So 14 years, I did that on campus as a campus pastor, uh, and I've been doing it 15 years now in the church context. Um, And so, you know, along the way, you know, this topic of gifts and giftedness and God wanting to use us. It's a part of my own story. So that's part of the answer to your question of, you know, I grew up pretty poor and pretty with pretty small horizons. But in following Jesus, the way he looked at me, you know, and. The love that he has, it makes you see yourself differently and think, well, maybe God wants to use me in life. And so that's a part of my own story is kind of learning how to see myself, how God sees me Uh, and, and then in campus ministry, I was with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and there's a real emphasis on training student leaders. And so there's this real emphasis on helping people like discover their gifts and, and try using those gifts and experiment with them and try different things. And so it's been a a, a part of my own experience and my experience with other people. And then you mentioned this uh, research project with Barna. Uh, I got to be a part of this research project and it like sobered me and shocked me and surprised me and gave me hope but it kind of led to deeper thinking about how has god made all of us Mm. and does that matter and how do we discover that
1: don when you did that student ministry uh for all those years within our varsity i'm curious so and how often i mean you you got to see different students come come through every year if not every four years um and how often did that question come up of what am i really gifted in what is you know what do i have to offer is that i'm i'm sure that's probably something you heard often
2: yeah i mean it's it's in some ways endemic to the college situation because people are trying to figure out who am i what am i going to be and you know what am i going to do and so it's a great time of life in terms of the faith to allow god to speak into those questions as well if that makes sense and to you know how has god gifted me and how do i what's my calling in life so not just to think about yeah so so you know folks in their late teens and early 20s they're they're pretty aggressively asking those questions i mean some people are like i just want to get a degree and a job and be comfortable but most people there's this like who am i and how's god made me and how am i different than my parents and 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 a lot of experimenting and and we we just encourage that you know with with students like try everything you know uh and and um Unfortunately, I think some of us lose that.
0: Don, help me understand this. Um, if you were to go back to 22-year-old Don, knowing what you know now yeah. about discovering gifts, uh, what would you tell Don? And help our help our listeners and viewers kind of understand like your personal journey, because it seemed like there was more there that'd be really mm-hmm. helpful for our listeners.
2: Yeah. Well, there's so many things I would say to 22 year old me, Uh, but, but relative to this topic, relative to this topic, part of it would be try everything. And I actually did have some good mentors who tried teaching, try leading worship, try doing mission trips, try, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. So I would have said that. I think a piece of advice I would have given myself that I didn't get at the time would have been don't just think about spiritual gifts, but think more broadly about even the common gifts that God has given you, because there was such a focus, and in some ways, rightly so, on spiritual gifts. You know, and and those are important. And Paul said, when it comes to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed, right? Like it's important that we understand these enablements that the Holy Spirit gives us for ministry. But I w- there was such an emphasis on that that I wasn't thinking about just some of the common gifts that God had given me when he created me. Does that make sense? And so I think I I think I had a pretty narrow view of gifts and a pretty narrow view of vocation and I would say to 22-year-old me like accept the Bible's a little bit fuller a little bit broader vision of how God shapes people and the passions and the dispositions and the aptitudes that he gives them even outside of spiritual gifts.
0: So Donna, I actually, I want to kind of land there because I think that that's super important. I think it's a lot of what you've dealt with in the book too is like, so there's three main passages in the Bible about spiritual gifts. And then you mentioned common gifts, you know, is there a clear delineation? Is there you know, is there more gray area? Like, so if someone's asking you, what's the difference between spiritual and common gifts, how do you walk someone through so that they still have the importance of the spiritual gifts in the Bible, but also don't miss the common gifts that God's given them?
2: Yeah. It's kind of two places where God is gracious and generous. So the Bible tells us that, when God creates humans, uh, he makes them, they, they are beautifully and fearfully knit together by God. And there's this common grace that God gives to everyone he creates and he doesn't make bad things, right? The, the Bible is very clear that God is creator, you know, makes people wonderfully and, and he, and he imparts gifts to them for them to use in life. And that doesn't matter what if people recognize that comes from God, it doesn't matter if they're Christians. Like that is a generosity that of God as creator. And then there's this generosity through the Holy Spirit that those who come to faith in Jesus and have the Holy Spirit, God imparts special enablements through the Holy Spirit for ministry. And that's also just the generosity of God. We don't do anything to earn those either. And so it's important that so so the difference is believers receive spiritual gifts, but every human receives common. So common in the sense that they're common to all. It's a part of God's common grace to his creation that he makes all of us with aptitudes and abilities and skills and passions. Even non-believers, he's generous and he gives them those, even though they don't know where they may not recognize where they come from. And so that's what I would say to someone is it's important to recognize both because I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um I think I had you know I was I was in a place where I was just focusing on spiritual gifts. But the reality is like God had given me common gifts as a communicator and as a writer and as a shaper of words, but that was not something that was named or celebrated in my worshipping community. In fact, I felt I felt guilty that I took such joy in writing books for God. I think I had written, it wasn't until I wrote my third book that I stopped feeling guilty about writing books because it wasn't like writing isn't in any of those three lists that you mentioned. Does that make sense? It's, it's not one of those and it's kind of a solitary act. And so I felt weird about it. And then it, it's the, the full biblical view that helped me realize God shaped me how he shaped me. And so I want to use even the common gifts, the ability like communication gifts. God gave me communication gifts, you know, and I can use those in the different callings that he gives me in life. And so that's that's a a broader view that doesn't say that spiritual gifts are unimportant, but rather like, you know, God's been more generous than just that. He has also given us creational gifts. And, you know, I've talked with a lot of believers. One of the things we found in the research was. That when pastors are talking about giftedness, most of the time they're talking about spiritual gifts and that they're, they don't talk about gifts in other ways. And I, I, and I think we're missing out on part of the biblical witness when we do that.
1: So I'm, I'm really, I'm glad you brought up the research because I wanted to get into Peter Mm -hmm. knows that I'm kind of a, a a nerd when it comes to data (laughs) research, so, um, I think it's important, but so I'm curious about, about that. Like, could you, could you just give us a, you know, for this book, the discover your gifts book and, um, I know it came out of some research with Barna. What can you give us some of the top line data, um, that you based your work on the book for, and also I'd love to know, like, is there something that as you were doing the, doing the research. You know, you just mentioned one data point there about what pastors tend to speak about. Was there something that surprised you that kind of changed the trajectory of how you had to to do this book? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, great question. Do you have three hours? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So so some of the high level, uh, some of the high level points, Aaron, are um, that. Pastors, this sub study we did on pastors. So, so that was one of the findings that was kind of sobering that we don't talk about giftings a lot. And most pastors admit that they believe it's important that people use their God given gifts, but that they don't have a systematized or um, orderly way for actually encouraging that in their church. Uh, And and so it's like, it's a really important thing. Like pastors feel it's important, but they don't necessarily, they haven't invested in like, and and it sounds like your church, you actually talk about it. It's like a high level thing for you all. And that's not common. Uh, So that was one finding. Uh, There were some sobering findings related to how people discover their gifts and have their gifts developed differently. So men on average are more in touch with their giftedness than women, not by a lot. But by enough that it's statistically significant, um, younger people are much more interested and passionate in discovering their gifts, learning more about how they are made than older people. So there are some generational differences that came up, which, to be honest with you, I think I think really highlights an area of opportunity for the for the church. I mean, I, you know, most churches like how do we engage with you know younger generations. And it turns out they're really interested in learning about themselves and about how they're shaped. In fact, in fact, a lot of uh, even non-Christians in the study uh, said that they would be willing to go to a church to learn more about their gifts. If, if a church was, mm-hmm. you know, helping in that area. Um, one of the sadder findings, which, again, I think. I mean, but it's, a, it's important data. One of the first questions was how. How gifted would you say you are on a scale of zero to ten? And three and a half percent of all respondents and and the way they do the research that tells us that nationwide about three percent of the adult population put zero. So three and a half percent of the of the people out there don't feel that they are gifted in any way at all. Now, that's sad, but the interesting thing, the the nerds at uh, Barna did is, is they went back and they cut the data to, t- to say, is there anything these three and a half percent of people have in common, these, these no gift people? And mm-hmm. I put it in quotation marks because they actually do have gifts. The Bible tells us that, but they don't perceive that they do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they found was that these people in general are less connected and have less community in their life. And go to church less and are less involved in their neighborhood and know fewer of their neighbors than other people. So there's some kind of interesting correlation between people who are so cut off from others that they don't think they have any giftedness at all. And think about what that would do to someone's soul to believe that or to think that. And then I think it underscores the importance. Like often we discover our gifts in community because other people go, Hey, you know, you're really good at this, you know, Hey, you should try this. Uh, so those are, those are some of the top level findings that we found.
1: What was this a, was this a one-time, um, study or have there been? So I guess where I'm going is I'm curious, has that 3% number grown or decreased over time? Is it I don't know if there was a, some some sort of a repetitive study here.
2: No, it's not longitudinal. So it was just a slice in time, uh, you know, but it, it was, you know, accounted for regionally, you know, across people's finan- the financial spectrum, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's nationwide verified research, but we just did a slice in time. Yeah.
0: So before we started airing, you mentioned this question that you wish more people asked you and I'm going to kind of answer it a yeah. little bit. Then I want to get in you, you. The question Good. you wish more people asked you was why don't pastors like talk about this? Cause the picture you're painting, even for our listeners is like, if you would talk about spiritual gifts, like you would be surprised who shows up. Um, if you just talked about common gifts, you'd be surprised who shows up. And, um, and hopefully I'm getting that question right. But you know, as a pastor, I think what I find complicated. Um, so Don and I have something in common. We're, you know, he lives in Springfield, Missouri. I lived in Springfield, Missouri. I grew up Assemblies of God, which is Pentecostal. They have a little bit of a different view on, you know, spiritual gifts, especially speaking in other tongues. And it gets mm-hmm, complicated mm-hmm. trying to explain to people, you know, if you take a spiritual gifts test, um, and we can kind of get into that. I have the gift of speaking in tongues and it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of theology wrapped up, even, even the gift of prophecy. And then with prophecy, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, forth telling and foretelling. So what we mean by that is I can be prophetic and just speak truth, but I can also be prophetic and actually say, Hey, God's going to do this in your life. And, um, you know, one of the things that I appreciated about the assemblies of God was they were the first ones to help you recognize that, people that have spiritual gifts are still imperfect people that use them wrong. So I I think that that was was one of the healthiest things I learned. But coming back to this question of why pastors don't talk about it, my answer would be it's really complicated um, in the sense of like it doesn't necessarily need to be complicated, but to try to help someone, even with something as straightforward as faith, is it just because you're positive or is it, so that's going to, I don't know. You res- take all of that jumble, respond to it. Love to hear more of your thoughts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it is complicated. Spiritual gifts are complicated and common gifts are complicated. I, I, I would say that, that that's the reason, that's one of the reasons that we, that pastors don't invest more in helping people discover their gifts and, and grow their gifts and deploy their gifts. So spiritual gifts can be complicated for the way that you mentioned. I mean, theologically and you, I mean there, there can be all sorts of complications for that, but I think across the board, one of the complications is that it's messy to help people discover their gifts and start using them and i think I think for some and I'm just I'm pointing my finger at me here as a pastor, okay, that it's cleaner to have professionals or practitioners who use their gifts and that people come into the church to consume what they're offering. And obviously that's like a very sub biblical picture of church, but it is neat and it is is orderly. And unfortunately it, it, can stroke the ego of said professionals. You know, people come here, I'm the sage on the stage and, you know, all that sort of thing. So there's something something humbling. There's something messy. There's something relational about investing in equipping the saints, as Paul would put it, equipping the saints to use their gifts. And as you mentioned, everyone who uses a gift is imperfect, right? And so... And so And there's character involved and there's like coaching and, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that come up and risk-taking and praying for someone like, you can do this. You know, my son recently started doing the slides, you know, uh, for our, for our church and he was so nervous and like, ah, you know, I'm like, listen, you're, you're very orderly. Like you, you, you're, you feel comfortable around technology. You can do this. You see that coaching, that like relational stuff that takes time. And it, and it takes, you know, investment in people. And so I think in some ways it can be easier at times to just have the professionals use their gifts and have everyone else kind of be more of a consumer. I think that's some of why pastors don't invest time and maybe they're just so busy doing other things, you know, but I just find, you know, the image very compelling, you know, from Ephesians that. God has, you know, given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for ministry. Like the reason he gives these kind of five types of leaders, according to Paul, God is generous with giving leaders to the church so that the leaders will equip the saints for ministry. And that is messy and sometimes thankless and humble and behind the scenes work. And I myself, since doing the research and reflecting on my own story, have been more and more convicted that that needs to take up a higher percentage of the time of what I do as a
0: pastor. So, uh, before you go, Aaron, because this this idea, I think, to our listeners is going to be pretty new, common versus spiritual gifts. So, let me take leadership. Um, yeah. There, there are great leaders that don't go to church, that write great books. Yeah and leadership could probably be a common gift but in your mind when does leadership move and you could do this with all most all of the gifts when does it move mm-hmm. from a common gift to a spiritual gift
2: oh that's an interesting question peter i think maybe what i would say is it's more of an overlay so in other words I believe that one of the common gifts that God gives people are leadership gifts, the ability to move people. And, and as you say, there are non-believers, there are Buddhists, there, there's all sorts of people that God has given leadership gifts to and they use those. But then if you overlay those common gifts with, for example, a gift in being an apostle or a gift of being a shepherding gift or a teaching gift, I think it just like multiplies and and fills out and makes more robust that common gift and so there's and and so that's why i would say that there are leaders right or or, or there there are layers to it Uh, and for us as believers like god has been doubly generous with us we have common gifts and he's giving us spiritual gifts on top of that and so our our gift iq it doesn't hurt if our gift i q goes up a little bit, in other words, we're discovering more about how God has gifted us because I believe that the bible's message is God gives us gifts so that we will use them <laughs> I know that's a radical that's a radical concept but and and so but you can't use them if you don't aren't discovering them and knowing that you have them does, does that make sense so so I think it's like layers and beautiful layers of ways that you know god gives people you know say a common gift is like relational skills or multicultural skills or and and then and to then layer those with gifts within the spirit can can be super powerful within the church mm.
1: that's a i i i think jumping off from there i i appreciate that and i i wanted to turn the conversation a little bit to i mean actually i would love to maybe it'd be great to hear what are some of the strategies you use to get uh people that know what their gifts are that I don't know if you have them go through classes or take a test or whatever, but, or just, I think you did mention just go and do stuff and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, uh, you know, where's there a need go jump in. But, um, I am on the, I wanted to ask about the, on the other side of that, there, there are people (laughs) you mentioned the three and a half percent who feel like they don't have any gifts and that's, um, sad and, and also very, um, That would be really hard, like people feeling that isolated. But I imagine, I don't know what the percentages are. Maybe there was data in your research on this of people who probably have an inkling that they have a gift, uh, but maybe kind of discount that they could use it for anything, um, or that it's good enough of a gift. Like, how do you, how do you get to those, to those people? Um, and when I say those people, I feel like I could probably, you know, depending on the circumstances yeah. could be in that, and that, uh, might think that I have a gift in something, but I'm not ready to jump into it. Like, how do you get people to the point where they should, uh, take action, experiment yeah, yeah. with that gift? What do you do to kind of lead people that way? And why do you think they do that in the first place? And then how do you help them?
2: I, I, well, uh, well, you added in a very layered question at the end. I think there 's a wide variety of oh, 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 I think there's a wide variety of things just in our biographies and in the stories of our life that lead people to see themselves as not a gift with gifts to share and so so there 's a wide variety of things that I think that lead people there. Poverty is one of those um, there 's lots of different ones, but I think some really practical things that we can do to help people see their gifts are to um, Talk about a wider range of gifts. Uh, one of the problems of being a pastor, and maybe, you know, Peter can relate with this, is when you are telling stories from your life, there's stories about a pastor. <laughs> because you are one, right? And so and, and so, it can be a, a pretty narrow, like there's stories about evangelism and stories about discipling people and stories about, you know, teaching or whatever, and 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 i think we can really help people by in our in the examples that we give using a broader range of gift types so that people can see themselves in what we're talking about and go oh that's a that's a gift like that i just naturally do that but you're celebrating that you're saying that's like a really cool worthwhile thing uh to be doing so i think in our storytelling in our testimonies in the examples that we give Uh, I'm a firm believer in uh, uh, lifting up humble people who are serving behind the scenes. And I I think like whether whether to their face or in a group of people or even from up front to lift up people who are using the gifts that are maybe less visible or less celebrated in my stream of the church, because there are certain gifts that are really celebrated in my stream of the church. And all the other gifts are second-class gifts. Does that make sense? And that probably varies from church to church or denomination to denomination. But I think we could do a better job of celebrating a, a broader range. And then I personally have just taken it upon myself. In, in researching uh, for this book, I talked with someone who grew up in a church. He said my pastor was constantly going up to people and saying, I think you may have a gift in this. I think you should, I think you should, you should try that. He was just going up to everyone. And he said, he said, uh, I grew up in a church where everyone got to play. That's how he put it. In that attractive image where you would think everyone gets to, everyone gets to play. Everyone here has a gift. And so the more we can try to create that culture, I think the more people who, for whatever reason in their own history, doubt it about themselves, I, I think it can kind of pull them out and they can kind of get caught up. I'll give you an example of something we're trying, because I think the relational thing is important. Examples are important, but also then trying to create some kinds of systems or like framework to help people uh, be doing that as well. So the results aren't in yet, but we're trying something at our church. We created what we call the gift exchange. And so and there's two sides to it. It's like a literal bulletin board, stand up bulletin board. And on one side or ministries in the church are saying, hey, we're looking for people with these kind of gifts to help with this kind of stuff. And then on the other side is where people fill out their own thing and say, I have these kinds of gifts and 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 they put them up. And so we're encouraging people like go look at the gifts we're looking for. And leaders in the church, you go look rather than asking the people who always say yes. And you're used to asking to do things. Go look at what people put up and give them a call. And so it's a, it's an interesting, rather than like we're looking for volunteers or rather than like, you know, we have a sign-up list. We're, we're narrating the whole thing through the language of gifts. It's a gift exchange. And we're looking for gifts and you're offering gifts. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm really writing our leaders like new people who haven't been using their gifts or in leadership positions. I want you to go look and see what they're saying and give them a call. So that's a little thing we're trying to do to kind of re-narrate our culture uh, in such a way that it's like everyone has gifts and you have gifts. And so how does God maybe want you to use them? So those are a few examples.
0: You know, I I really appreciate that because not all of our listeners get to have coffee with me, but I, I think one of my favorite parts of having coffee or lunch with someone Is just to find out what they're passionate about, and sometimes that wording is helpful because Mm -hmm. if I say I'm gifted, but um, right. So a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I'm having coffee with a gentleman. He's been working 36 years as a technician at a plant, and he like begins talking a language that I had no idea like Mm. how to respond, and he's teaching me. He's like you know, when I go into this, you know, certain area and we have to make sure we fix these fabricators and he's using all this language. And I had some fun with him because I need to do some work on our garage. And I was just asking him dumb cement questions. And he's <laughs> like, you know, if you want to fill cement holes, like you have to clean it all out, make sure that it's dry. And, you know, so he asked the question, he's like, Hey, what you know, how can I use my experience instead of gifts that I'd call it gifts in him. Sure. How can I use my experience at the church? And, you know, we have this partnership in Senegal with the Wolof people mm. and I'm like, Lou, you gotta go to Senegal, like mm. to teach and train. And, and like, I use that story as a specific example because it's not the ones that I would share personally, but I would tell our listeners, whether you go to Browncroft or not, I'd love to have coffee with you, or mm-hmm. if you go to a different church, like you would be surprised at saying, hey, this is what I'm good at, and yeah. that there might be a deeper connection to that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And often, you're, you're right, Peter, often passion is is a nice window that, that people can look through as well to get a sense of, well, I'm passionate about kids or I'm passionate about, you know, this, that, or the other. Um, and And often, I don't I mean, I've experienced this myself. If we're gifted in something, we sometimes overlook that because we assume, well, that's easy, and it must be easy for everyone, because we assume everyone thinks and feels the way we do, which is you know just a normal, self-centered way to view the universe. but uh, so so there's something too that that's part of what can be helpful about an inventory or like sitting down with a coffee with someone else who can reflect hey, I see this in you, or taking an inventory, we developed a whole inventory on common gifts based on the research, part of what's helpful about that is it can help shine a light on things that we as people will just overlook because I just, you know, well, I assume, you know, taking complex problems and summarizing it in a really simple way, I assume everyone can do that. Well, it turns out that's not the case, you know, or my wife who is like total, you know, total relational gifts like she can get into a conversation with anyone well that's natural for her but she doesn't know like that's really hard for (laughs) like other people can't talk to strangers like you do so things like that i think can help people look at things about themselves and recognize oh that's not easy for everyone um maybe i have a gift there and 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 the importance of discovering the gifts is then saying okay how does god want to use that whether that's in my household in my job, in my neighborhood, or yes, even in the church. Uh, but, you know, God gives us these gifts so that we will generously use them.
0: So I want to come back to your story. Um, you know, and you, and you touch on a little bit of this in the book, you know, you share personally, but, you know, help our listeners understand, you know, the 24 year old Don, you know, you, you gave advice, but, what was it that helped you kind of figure out kind of your gifts and you know, what were the specific experiences, what were the specific mentors and things that they said, you know, if you feel comfortable, you can even share what those gifts are. Like, mm-hmm. you know, someone saw you do this or you mm-hmm. do that. I, I think that'd be helpful for our audience.
2: Yeah, so for me, again, I, I had leaders who said try everything. And so, um, you know, my uh at the end of my freshman year of college, someone came up and said, you know, I've really enjoyed your presence in Bible study. And I'd like to, you know, it seems like you have a kind of a passion for the Bible. I'd like to invite you to be a Bible study leader. And we'd give you a partner and we would give you training and coach you in doing it. And I was a very reticent leader. I'll be really honest with you guys. Like my, my, dream was to like live in a cabin in the woods by myself. I mean that's that's really all I wanted in life. I'm like, why would why would I choose to be around more people? But I did it. So so there was like that initial invitation combined with them saying, we will help you. We'll give you a partner and we're going to give you coaching. And so it was that like the furnace of that next year of weekly using gifts in organizing, in inviting people in studying the Bible ahead of time and preparing things in evaluating things afterwards in thinking strategically about discipling people in the Bible study in planning parties. And like, I wasn't equally good at all those things. You know what I mean? But then partnering with others. And so like just that one invitation for a nine month period, that's all it was. It was for just a school year. It was like, I think I, I think I have gifts in teaching. And I think I have gifts in service. Like I love serving behind the scenes and I have a big hole when it comes to some of the relational gifts. Like I, I need help. I need help there. And in throwing parties and stuff like that. So it was like a safe place to explore, um, strengths, but also weaknesses. Uh, and, and then it kind of went on from there. InterVarsity was, is a great culture at developing people. And so, you know, there was a time, hey, Don, how would you like to learn how to play guitar and help us in worship? Hey, Don, how would you like to do the slides? Hey, Don, how would you like to lead a trip to another country and lead a team? So, all those invitations, every single one of them made me pee my pants and be like, oh, no, you know, like, I'm, like it was a, a scary. It, it was scary and risky. But by saying yes and exploring things, I mean, God can use even our efforts, whether we're using our gifts or not. That's another generosity of God's. But it helped me kind of find this this way that, I mean, the weird thing is rather than live in a cabin in the woods, I've lived my life doing aerobically relational ministry. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and with a real appreciation of, where I need help and my blind sides and where I don't have gifts, and so anywhere I go now I'm a senior pastor now here's the kind of people I need on my team because those are gifts I don't have and we need we need to partner with each other so that's so that's some examples of of real simple like, hey, you should try this, and hey, let me do coaching um you know coaching and mentoring are such huge gifts that we don't we don't always get to experience, you know, volunteering is sort of like, if you sign this piece of paper, then come do the thing. And then, you know, maybe we'll give you, you know, thanks at the end, but being mentored, being coached, having your gifts developed and nurtured by others, that's a different game. And that, that was a game changer for me.
1: I love that you, you brought up there uh, that you found out both what your. Your gifts, your strengths were as well as your weaknesses, areas where you had holes and in, in gifts. Because that was actually something that was on my mind was, mm-hmm. you know, how do you help people uh, realize maybe a place where they they need a little extra help or they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to be able to dunk the basketball, but not everybody can. Um, and uh, you know, I think that's that's interesting. But I I loved how you framed it as say yes, you know, say yes and and find out. Um, no, I, I I like that uh, that a lot, and you know it made me wonder. Like, um, well, you mentioned it's helped you as you've you've been growing in church leadership that you've you've been able to say, okay, well, what other people do I need mm-hmm. on my team? Um, you know, I think that's a that's a great realization, and, and obviously the more you can lead out of strength, that's that's helpful. But I also liked that you brought up, you know. God can still use you, even even if you're you're leading in, out of a weakness. I mean, His strength yeah. is made perfect in our weakness. And I guess I'd love to hear you dig into that a little bit more. Um, and 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 also, uh, you know, do you think it's? I know it's good for us to figure out what our strengths and weaknesses are. But have you found, or maybe the research even found? I don't know if it says anything to this, but like. Are we more likely to think that we are weaker in some areas than we actually are? Like, how do we overcome mm. those? Is that a hurdle and how do we overcome it? So that was a lot of questions all in one. You get to answer that. Yeah,
2: yeah I'll, I'll just choose one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the research didn't get into as much areas of weakness, although it did get into development of gifts. And so there's some fascinating things in, in, uh, in the research in terms of, um, you know, where do you find, where have you had your gifts developed and nurtured by others? So some of the interesting dynamics that we found there are men on average, uh, have expressed that more people have nurtured them in their gifts, um, that people who who have higher education have had more people kind of help nurture them and coach them in their gifts. Um, there, there are certain communities in the African-American community, mentoring and coaching There are higher levels of that. They say in an Anglo or white culture. So it's interesting that there there are different um, having gifts developed, which is kind of getting at you know uh, weakness and how do we grow in these things that um, we experience that differently, and it's something to know, right? It's something to know and be conscious of uh, as we're helping coach others and mentor others. Um, And I think you know, I personally think I was told by a a professor who shall go nameless uh in seminary that take this inventory and it and it will tell you exactly what your gifts are and so you'll never have to struggle through and just find jobs where you're just using those gifts and 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 I I and maybe for some people that's the path for them and god bless them right if there's a pain free way and you're just going to use your gifts all the time but I actually think more of my experience and what I've seen in others, and part of what leads to healthy, humble, non-narcissistic leadership is that we are operating out of weakness at times. And the kind of prayer and the kind of humility and the kind of having to ask for forgiveness of people, there's something about that that I think is actually character forming in really important ways. And again, we follow, you know, you look in the scriptures and it often seems that God calls unlikely people to do certain things. And so there's, there's something about God like that. Again, this is another rabbit trail, but, um, God wants the glory, right. And, 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 and there's something about like, he, he's made perfect in our weakness, right. His strength is made perfect that Glory goes to him if we are acknowledging our weaknesses, even as we're discovering our gifts, using our gifts. Um, It's not a perfectly clean story and we're going to mess up and we have weaknesses. And I think that's just as important part of the fabric of our leadership or of our ministry or of our service or leading in our household as when we use our gifts. I, I think there's something important about that.
0: You know, I want to give you a scenario based on what you just said, because I, I think that that's helpful. Um And I'm going to throw myself under the bus, which Aaron always loves. So <laughs> um, so um there, there's a spiritual gift of serving, and there's definitely like a common gift of serving. And then I'd add a third category, like, we're all just supposed to serve. That's like, right, that's I right. don't that's care right. if you follow Jesus or not. <laughs> like You know, if you say, oh, no, no, I don't have the gift of serving. So, you know, the other night I'm leading a group and I... I had 10 minutes to print out the handouts to get the um, to get the videos all ready um, and ironically it was the we were meeting around the ruthless elimination of hurry which I was hurrying around <laughs> to get done and you know it's funny you know one of our teammates who's wonderful you know Donna says to me she's like you know I can print that stuff out for you next week And through this whole series, like she's been printing stuff out and supporting me. And I I think one of the complications are like, there's times when you're serving in a role where you have to be like super focused. Like if I'm printing out the papers and I'm running around, even if I get in a half hour early, I I don't have time to engage people. But you also don't want to dismiss the humility and value of, hey, like there's times like, I know uh, I can name several individuals that when they're walking down the hallway and they see a piece of trash, they pick it up and they throw it out. Um, yeah. You'd be surprised how much that doesn't happen. And so it's, it's trying to kind of manage this, you know, take a test, do your gifts and do that only versus mm-hmm. like, there's things that were all called to do motivated by the gospel, but even society would say, so take all of that. Yeah. Um, how would you respond to that?
2: I I would say you're very emotionally mature and and that that's like a real, like you're wrestling with it in a good way because you're right. Service is a spiritual gift. It's, it's also a common gift. And then it's also a virtue commanded by our King. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I think the way to navigate that is proportion. Right. And, and, and over the long haul, like, like, if you look back at say a 3 month period and you haven't had you haven't done much humble service maybe that's when you go okay i'm i'm in a little bit of a danger zone and i i need to lay my life down in some uncomfortable ways just to have moral authority and just to be like my king who he himself washed feet you know i th- i think to evaluate because i think the danger is if you go a long time without that But the reality is, and I experienced this too, Peter, that there are people who like, I want to be helpful. And they like watch me and they're like, hey, can I get that for you? And I was like, well, I can do that. I'm not above doing that. But they're looking for ways that they can plug in. And that gets kind of an honor to be able to do that. And so I don't want to rob people of that. But I also don't want to get close to this cliff that some leaders get close to, where they feel they're above certain things. and if jesus was not above washing people's feet then right then neither are we and I, I remember i i went and spoke at this week-long conference i think i gave like eight talks you know and i was like the sage on the stage, you know all that sort of thing and then afterwards uh we were the campers were leaving and i went and there was this backed up toilet and i just thought i'm gonna fix that i'm gonna, i'm gonna get down on my knees and fix this nasty toilet And no one saw me doing it. Yeah, I guess I'm telling you now, but you know, statutes of limitations. It was like 30 years ago, but but there's something right about doing that because I'm a believer in Jesus and I follow Jesus. And there's something right about saying, I'm not gonna go live in a cabin in the woods because God's given me communication gifts. And so yes, I'll come speak at your conference. Does that make sense? So it's like, I, I wanna be using my gifts and I want to be doing other things like, say, evangelism. There are a lot of people who have gifts, spiritual gift of evangelism. But all of us, all believers are called to be witnesses, whether you got the gift or not. And so, yeah, that's a balance. It's it's a balance. That's a very perceptive question.
0: So one, uh, one other thing, because one of our interns that we have this summer brought this up to me recently. And, you know, she said to me. She said, I'd love for someone to talk a little bit about like the difference of being like called the ministry Mm -hmm. versus a vocation outside the church. And that's a whole nother episode. But I want you to kind of respond to that gifts because like even you've hinted at this, like in the church, um, my parents grew up Catholic. So I I feel like I have credibility to say this, (laughs) like the pent ultimate, you know, for Catholicism in Endicott, New York. 1965 (laughs) was one of your children becomes a priest and Protestants have even taken that so how would you talk to someone that like there's this proclivity to if I really want to make a difference I need to work for a church or I need to work for a nonprofit how do you walk someone through the discernment but also just kind of helping them value their gifts if that's not where God's calling them
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because one of the things the research revealed is that pastors and churches celebrate people using their gifts in the church. And when you ask the same question, do you celebrate people using their gifts outside of the church, the numbers drop. And so it's an honest problem, uh, and, and it is not unlike what, uh, what Luther confronted at the beginning of the Reformation where it was a two-class system, where you, you have the vocations, is what they called them, you know, priest, nun, monk. And then everyone else, like, well, yeah, we, I mean, we need someone to milk the cow, but it's, it, spiritually it's second class. And Luther, so what i found helpful as we've been in the research, and it's pushed me back into church history and back into the scriptures, you know, Luther's take on vocation was, your voca- you have multiple vocations. And vocations are every role and responsibility that God calls you to. So in other words, I have a vocation as a father because I have kids. I have a vocation as a husband because I have a wife. That's a role in a relationship. I have a vocation as a neighbor because I live somewhere and I have neighbors. And God has thoughts about that. I have a vocation in my job, whatever job I'm working. And for believers, I have a vocation in the church. So I I actually find Luther's rubric really, really helpful because it it takes us away from, well, you have one vocation. Is it in the church or is it not in the church? And it says all of us have a vocation in the church, actually. All of us have a vocation in our household and all of us have a vocation in our community. and, And all of us have a vocation in our work, if you will. And how do you be faithful with those and how do you use your gift in those different ones? and so. I, I find that to be a really helpful rubric to then have someone ask the question, am I called to have my paying job be in the church? Because it's, it's, it's a, it's a much more nuanced framework to ask it from rather than just this binary. Well, you could be one of the elite who has a vocation in the church or. You could make money and, you know, I mean, we need people to milk the cows. So, I mean, you could do it, but it's, God doesn't like it as much. It's not as important, you know, that kind of binary uh, place is a really fraught place for people to ask the, these really important questions about ministry. I've My son right now is asking questions about becoming a pastor. He's, tw- he's 22. You brought up 22. I have a 22-year-old kid now. And he's asking those questions. And so how do I navigate that with him in a way that like, if God's calling you to do that, that's really important. And you have to pay attention to that. But to interact with him in in such a way that I don't bias, like that's the only valid thing or the most valid thing you could do as a Christian. So there is an honest bias in the church, even the Protestant church. The research shows it. So I think we need to like name that bias. And and try to get more biblical in our understanding of vocations. We're all gifted and we're all called, and that's what vocation means. It's called. That's the vocare. I mean, that's what it means. It's called. We're all called to use those gifts in the different areas of our life. So, I I try to shift the conversation in those places because if someone's like, "Well, or should I be a pastor or an engineer?" It's like. Even if God calls you to be an engineer, you have a vocation in the church. So you're going to have to navigate that regardless. And even if God calls you to be in the church, you have a vocation as a neighbor. You have, you know, so I have found that stream of vocational theology and those scriptures that inform that to be really helpful.
0: Mm. You know, um, as we kind of come to a close, this episode, we interviewed Derek Sherman, um, who actually... Does a whole episode on why can I be an engineer and a Christian at the same time? So I think it's brilliant. So um, (laughs) this all works out. Um, You know, before we recap to our last question, what I think I've heard you say is try new things. Assessments are okay, but they're not the silver bullet. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, be in community uh, to have people observe you, but also see gifts in others. You know, to that 24 year old, even to your 22 year old son, after those three things, is there anything else you would say or the research would say of helping you find whether it's your spiritual or common gifts that you'd want to add? Hmm.
2: That's great. I would say that it is a tip for people to find. And always have a mentor or two, always have a mentor or two in your life, whether they're in your specialty or not, if that makes sense. Like someone and someone who doesn't have a vested interest in your, the success of your job or of what you're doing, you know, some someone who um, can listen and see things in you. Um, I think that's the other thing I would say is just ask someone, hey, for the next season of my life, would you mentor me a little bit? Or would you, you know, I'm growing in this, Would you would you help me do that? So it's like what you said, like be in relationships, but it's a kind of relationship that I think is is in this area really, really important.
0: Mm. Well, that's a great place to close. But we ask one more question, and the great thing about asking pastors to come on is you can clean up whatever mess we leave. So we uh, we always ask, "What does <laughs> Jesus have to say about this topic?" So what why does jesus or what does jesus have to say why am i gifted the way that i am so aaron and i are going to go first you clean up our mess and then we'll go from there but cool. aaron uh do you want to go first or you want me to go first? sure
1: sure i i think that i mean this is a really important conversation and i uh, you know at browncroft we one of the spiritual habits that we talk about is knowing and using your gifts knowing and using your gifts and um i think that's really important to explore and and by saying yes and finding out, uh, where we, where we're strength, have strength and weakness and, and whatnot. I also just love the conversation we just had too about, uh, sometimes, you, sometimes you just have to, to act in your, your weakness too, and know that, um, if Christ is calling us to something, whether it's something we think we're strong in or not, he's gonna, he's going to provide, uh, strength for that one way or another. So I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really good conversation. And I think we should definitely be pursuing um,
0: knowing these gifts more and more. Mm. No, I appreciate that, Aaron. And um, you know, as Don was talking, I, I think one of the reasons I hope people read the Bible is to see the gifts and also the vocations that, um, that Luther talked about of being a parent, being a father or a, a parent and a spouse or whatever role you play, but also like the literal careers. Um, you know, I think of Paul, for instance, you know, here's someone that makes tents, and he also serves the church. And, um, you know, the Philippian church, Lydia was a dyer of purple. Um, mm-hmm. There was also the centurion. And and as you read the Bible, you see a tapestry of people that matter. And, um, you know, right now in our Bible reading plan, we're reading the book of Acts, and, you mm-hmm. know people didn't get demoted to serve as deacons. They were empowered to serve as deacons because of their gifts. And they said, hey, we want to free up the apostles to do this. And when you read it, it, it has way more of a valuing in our culture than we even do. So I think what Jesus would say is, you know, you're created in his image. You're created with gifts to bless and love other people, to love God for his, you know, for glory, for his glory, but also to love your neighbor and to make a difference. So that's how I'd close it.
2: Yeah, that's great. I I mean, I think, you know, Jesus, one of the striking things about Jesus was how he looked at people, how he saw people. And Jesus saw, I mean, that was part of what was radical about him is that he saw everyone as possessing dignity and beauty. And, uh, you know, he, the widow at Nain, right? I mean, he was moved when he saw her and he saw lepers that other people overlooked. So Jesus saw, I think everyone as some, as, as someone who was fearfully and wonderfully made. And he saw people as gifted and he called them to use those gifts. So you think about, you know, where most of us would have seen Peter and go, Oh, I can't wait for him to graduate <laughs> and move or Simon, I mean, and Jesus saw him and went, I see leadership. I see leadership. God's given you leadership and I want to call you into that. Or, uh, you, you know, the, the different people that Jesus called uh, into ministry in some ways were unlikely. And yet he said, okay, here, you know, come on. Um, So I think Jesus is our model, right? And Jesus saw people as gifts, and then he saw them as having gifts to share, and he called them, you know, to use those gifts. And you know, Zacchaeus, and oh, Zacchaeus is terrible. And Jesus, not only like, I see you, I want to have dinner with you, and but then like, okay, here's what it means to follow me, like giving, inviting him to be a part of things, inviting him to play in the kingdom. And so, in that sense, I, you know, I want to this topic is important because I think I want to be more like Jesus. And he kind of saw people a certain way and that informed how he called them to be a part of what he was doing. And I, I want to be more like that.
0: Wow. What, what a great way to close. And, um, just a reminder, um, we're thankful for Krista Clayton at IVP. If you go to the IVP website after this is aired for two weeks, you use the, uh, code why you can get uh, Don's book and the workbook for 30% off. So I would really encourage you to check that out um, and you can follow out. Do- Don, what's the best, where's the best place for people to get a hold of you or follow you?
2: Yeah, I'm a terrible follow. I'm going to be really honest <laughs> for, so for, <laughs> for this topic, uh, going to Lutheran Hour Ministries page that they sponsored the research. So lhm.org slash gifted. And we've put lots of resources that we made to equip people to explore their gifts and all that sort of thing. I, I think it would be the most fruitful place to go. I'm just an underperformer, woefully underperforming as a in social media.
0: <laughs> you know, it, it's all right. It's just not your gift. I anymore. was going to say, everyone <laughs> has gifts, right? <laughs> That's right. It's all That's good. Right. Well... <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. The best way to go to a hold of us is to go to whygotwhypodcast.com. You can click the subscribe link. You'll get uh, this episode and many others emailed to you each Thursday. Thank you so very much for joining us.
2: Thanks. Good to be with you guys.